The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, how you doing, man? I am doing great. Really busy at the office, but it's been a good busy, and glad to see business picking up. How are things with you? Not too bad. Um, You know, we might have to do an episode on this at some point, but... Um, I did receive notification that I was uh, selected for the HRSA National Health Service Corps for loan forgiveness. So that's pretty damn awesome. <laughs> that is amazing. And for those that don't know, it's kind of how would you explain it, Ben? Like the level of excitement you're feeling? Um, well, it, it was hard to explain because for a two year commitment, I'm basically going to wipe out about 60 percent of my student loans. So there's that. <laughs> and it, it, it was, I've applied for it for seven years. Like I said, we may just do a full episode on this at some point. I think we should, because I think it's something not everybody knows about or understands the depths of. So do you think you are more excited now or when we go to accept my Nobel Prize? Well, considering this is about me and not you, I'm going to say this. Unless it is a, a shared... Nobel Prize, and then probably that. Well, when they contact me, according to Big Bang, that comes with a cash prize. So, yeah, isn't it? I think it's like a million dollars. That'd be right. <laughs> so, I will definitely, you know, assuming they ask me, I'll be like, yeah, Ben should be up here too. He was, you know, talking to me when I came up with the idea. So, so <laughs> actually, I think you're the one that brought up the article. So, at least half should go to you if nothing else can i at least write the forward in your book i mean that's all i want to know <laughs> oh you could be yeah you know i think if we write a book it's going to be together so might as well just yeah that is terrifying but let's get back on topic otherwise we're just going to talk about nobel prizes and books we're not going to get anytime soon so <laughs> we are doing the second part of an interview with the fabulous dr orlena yes so this is where we actually get into the weeds about her pillars of health and wellness. And then we talked about her podcasts, fit and fabulous at 40 and beyond. It's a great show. It'll be in the show notes. She has some great one liners. And I mean, honestly with her accent, I could just sit and listen to her like talk all day. Absolutely. And just a little clarification because we're talking in the past tense about a show you're going to listen to in the future. We are, (laughs) we are recording this intro after 
the podcast was over. So that's that's why we're we're talking in the past tense about it. But that's we had a the future shit yeah, right there. We could have we could have really messed with some people right there. We're to the past of the future. Like, yes, what? a past tense of a future event. Yeah, that's that's not Inception level fusion. I don't know what would be. But it was a great show. She actually said one of our new favorite phrases. Ben, please do the honors. Children are sugar-seeking missiles. So so true. It is so true. And if you want to find out more about why Dr. Orlena said that and why we laughed uncontrollably for a while, you're going to have to just listen to the show so we can hear it. Or maybe you can hear it because I already heard it. We already heard it, yeah. Yes. I would also say, Ben... She talked about these pillars and not just about fitness for adults, but, you know, tips and tricks for dealing with diet and nutrition for children. And honestly, I think my family is no different than everybody else's. We struggle with that. You know, sometimes it's easier to just pop in a frozen pizza when the kid says he's hungry instead of doing vegetables. And so it was a really good talk. And her podcast is excellent about trying to lay out some strategies and reasons why we should stop doing that. And I think five questions with with her was exceptionally fun because it was our first international guest and to regular listeners of the show, you know, the five questions. And so we kind of had to make some modify. Yeah. 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 So (laughs) when you're talking to someone that lives in Europe exclusively, not everything translates easily. So we had to do some modifications, but she was a wonderful guest and had a, well, I hope she had a great time. We had a great time talking to her. She took the time from across the ocean to interview with us and we couldn't be happier with her. Exactly. So let's, before we get jump into her interview, of course, got to do our social media shout out because it's you know what we do and it's my favorite part of the show so you can find us on facebook instagram twitter and youtube all at just some podcast our website's www.justsomepodcast.com emails admin at just some podcast.com also don't forget about our merchandise shop just some podcast.com slash shop all kinds of cool stuff words are hard COVID 19 gear all kinds of stuff there tom what else can they do to help us out well first i would like to point out that the tiffany i heart cows shirt has had a seller so it's making moves, people. Be be at the front line. Get some of that merch. Second, they can they can go to our website. They can scroll down to just about the bottom. You'll see an Amazon affiliate link. You click on that before you do any of your shopping or put anything in your basket. And anything you do from that point forward gives some proceeds back to the show. We really appreciate it. It costs you nothing. And yeah, it's cool. So you should do it. So what we're going to do is take a quick commercial break here going to play a preview of something maybe coming in the future and possibly coming in the future more future more future from the past i don't know what's going on now you're gonna have to sit down and make sure which level of inception i'm in marty mcfly and the flux capacitor just showed up to my house <laughs> so we're gonna take a quick short little commercial break on the other side of the commercial break is our second part of our interview with dr orlina so enjoy Hey there, it's Pollyanna from Pleasure Pathways. I'm super excited to have you all jump on board with me as we go on a journey in search of buried pleasures. I can't wait to see what we can dig up. (laughs) So let's move forwards here, Dr. Orlina. Let's talk about your four pillars of education. Fabulous. I love my four pillars. And 
I see so many people who ask these questions, what should I do? My, you know, I'm not healthy. I want to lose weight. Should I take this supplement or that supplement? And I always say, do you know what? Go back to basics. It's just easy. So many people don't do the basics and the basics are nutrition. Now we could spend forever talking about nutrition and there are lots and lots of interesting research and things like that. But the reality is that you can just sum it up really, really simply. Eat more vegetables and eat less packaged food. And that, if you just take those two sentences, that goes a long way to, you know, having a good nutritional basis. And I would say, you know, I can get more complicated. I personally love the Mediterranean style diet, which isn't a diet, it's a way of eating, but it includes things like legumes and healthy fats like extra virgin olive oil. But so nutrition is one pillar. Sleep is another pillar and sleep is absolutely fascinating. And when I was studying, I actually trained with a world renowned sleep professor called Professor Fleming. And I think at that stage, we just didn't really understand sleep as well as we understand it now. We knew that sleep is good for us. Everyone knows that when you haven't had enough sleep, you're grumpy. I'm like an angry bear in the morning if I haven't had enough sleep. <laughs> and we know that it's when we repair our bodies, but we didn't really understand the mechanisms of how that happened. Whereas now, people do understand a lot more of what's going on. And if I could recommend one book, it would be Why We Sleep by Matt Walker. It's a fascinating book and it goes into the science behind it and the links with different diseases and productivity. So, you know, we know that sleep is good for us, but a lot of people don't actually get eight hours sleep. And I think that's, a you know, something that you really need to prioritize and just work it into your habit. I now go to bed at 10.30 and if I don't go to bed at 10.30, my body just starts shutting down and stops being productive and I just automatically go to bed at 10.30. The third pillar is obviously exercise. And I think exercise is the key to feeling fit and fabulous. A lot of people think it's the key to losing weight and it's not really the key to losing weight. The key to losing weight is to eat healthily and exercise will help you. But for me, it's where we get that energy from, where we wake up in the morning and think, wow, my body feels amazing, I'm gonna move it. and. A lot of people say, I'm too tired to exercise. And I say, no, you're thinking about it the wrong way. When I'm tired, I go and exercise. In fact, when I get grumpy, my husband says, can you just please go for a swim? <laughs> <laughs> and the last pillar, which I think is the foundation to all of these, is our emotions and our mindset and how we think about things. And it's absolutely fascinating how our thoughts interact with our emotions, which interact with our actions, and how really the way we think about things determines what we do and what we don't do. And obviously, you know, the ultimate goal is to be happy. And you can't be happy and healthy if you apply the first three pillars and don't think about your emotions and your mindset. So that's the fourth pillar. And it's hugely fascinating. And I could spend an entire, another several hours talking about it. I love the four pillars. I think that's a, a wonderful. How did you kind of develop that? Well... I guess for me, you know, I had my own journey. When I moved to Spain, I didn't mean to give up my career in medicine. And I found myself with four young kids and really sort of on one level living this amazing holiday existence. And on another level, really just, I think, grieving the fact that I had given up my career. It wasn't even quite grieving. It was just this whole, like, how do I get into medicine in Spain? And I think for me, it was this sense of, 
identity, really, that I had an identity crisis. And this would show up with frustration. You know, I had four young kids. It's easy to get frustrated with your kids. And I looked at how I was turning up and thought, this isn't the way I want to turn up. I want to turn up in a different way. And really, I did a lot of work on myself. So thinking about my emotions and how my emotions affect my children's emotions and how it's all interconnected. And so basically, I read every single self-help book that I could get. And I applied this to people who want to be more healthy. So I kind of understood the being more healthy bit. And I've, you know, read every nutrition book that is out there. And there are a lot of, not every single book, but a lot of the modern thoughts about nutrition, because that wasn't something we were taught at medical school. So it's just simplifying. It's what everybody says. We know all of these things, but it's just simplifying it into a system that's easy to understand and that applies to us in our everyday lives. And so then you you developed these four pillars and then you took that to make an online existence to kind of help educate other people, correct? Yes, exactly. I don't think it was quite as linear as that. So I think my online existence (laughs) before that. So, you know, I was doing work with healthy eating for kids and, you know, I had my own picky eaters and, you know, I kind of realized that as a pediatric doctor, I used to get so many people who would come in, kids complaining of tummy aches, outpatient clinic was basically a long line of people who had stomach ache and most of them the vast majority had constipation and the vast majority of them had constipation because they weren't eating healthily in fact I used to do what I call the the vegetable test and I would say to these kids what's your favorite vegetable and when they said well we call them chips you guys call them fries I think yes. you know what I mean like french fries, yeah. yes Right, French fries. When they said French fries, I was like, yeah, you know what? French fry isn't technically a vegetable, is it? (laughs) So I knew that basically their diet didn't contain any other vegetables. And that was really the problem. Obviously, you know, I did more tests, but I already kind of knew that. And I would advise these people, this was before I had kids, you know, go and help your children eat more vegetables. And that's going to fix the problem. And then I had my own children. And I realized that Do you know what? One day, one of my child, when he was three, was sitting on the toilet crying his eyes out because guess what? He had constipation. And it wasn't that I hadn't been presenting him with a healthy diet and vegetables. It was that he didn't eat any of the healthy vegetables. Understandable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like you offer children pasta and all of these other things. And what do they eat? They eat the, the carbs and the cakes and the cookies and they leave the broccoli behind. And so to start off with, I really applied it first to kids and realized that as parents it's not just about one thing that they eat but what we really have to look at is everything that they're eating in a day and so I think my healthy eating journey really started with my kids and as I realized that I had to cut out all the biscuits that I was giving them because it just meant they wouldn't eat their vegetables I in turn did that so it was kind of back to front for me I would say But I do think it's much better to start with the adult and and make sure the adult eats healthily and then your children will follow rather than doing it the other way around. But it was for me, it was just looking at how habits are formed and how I was in a habit of providing my kids with biscuits because they were easy, not because, you know, it was just kind of one of those things that I did. I remember one day taking my kids to the beach and they cried because I had like the same biscuit that they would have every single day. We called them beach biscuits. And I think they were a bit like, oh, not those biscuits again. Please give us something different. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned picky eaters several times. So do you have like a quick tip or two on on how 
to handle picky pediatric eaters? Yeah, I mean, I think picky eaters come, there's a variety of picky eaters. So you've got on one level, my child doesn't eat bananas and avocados or, you know, cabbage, which is kind of normal. And then, you know, on the other extreme, you've got some children who will only eat really selective vegetables, you know, selective foods. Right. And so it, not all picky eaters are created equally, but the way to approach them is, and I would say, number one, don't pressure them. Don't get into a fight with them. I mean, obviously I would caveat that with know your child. When your child is just sort of like pretending that they don't like something <laughs> because they can see their brother is getting away with it. But you have to be a bit careful about that. But essentially what you need to do is present them with healthy foods throughout the day. And if you have this routine of healthy foods and you take a step back and think, so for example, my children love carbohydrates. So they don't get free reign of carbohydrates. I give them a portion of carbohydrates and I give them free reign of the vegetables. They're allowed to eat as many vegetables as they want or fruits. I think for kids, fruits are a stepping stone to vegetables, but it's not that they're eating cookies and cake and all these packaged, what I call refined carbohydrates, those white refined carbohydrates that aren't good right. for us. And so, you know, obviously you don't have to exclude all of that, but what you don't want to be doing is allowing them to choose from all of that all the time because they will just pick that food. If you offer a child cake or broccoli, they're going to eat cake. Of course they are. They're kids and basically wouldn't adults as yes, well normally. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, they're sugar-seeking missiles and we have to understand that. But that doesn't mean that we can't train them. And I think really healthy eating for kids is about teaching them healthy eating. It isn't something that comes naturally. It's something that we have to think about, but it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be easy, but it is just basically about presenting them with healthy foods the entire time. Okay. So a quick, same thing. And obviously I would tell anybody if they want, obviously the more in-depth, if I could say, obviously a couple more times, <laughs> if they want, if yeah, obviously, if they want the more in-depth, clearly they need to listen to your show. But since we have you here and we covered nutrition for sleep, for exercise and for mindset, do you have a couple quick, these are fundamental things that need to happen? Like I need this many hours of sleep. You need this much exercise. Like what are your recommendations for those three as well? Okay. Well, I think sleep is really easy. The vast majority of people need eight hours sleep a night. And, you know, I know some people say, oh, I can't possibly do that. I would say, okay, seven, eight you don't want to go under seven. There are some people, you need to read that book I recommended. There are some people who can do with less, but the reality is chances are you're not one of those people. And the other thing about sleep deprivation is that we kind of ignore it and don't really recognize it. And once you start getting into the habit of having eight hours sleep, you just feel like a different person and you can go and do all those other things. So exercise, there are recommendations and these aren't my recommendations. I can't remember them exactly, but it's like 20 or 30 minutes of physical activity a day. So, you know, getting out of breath, walking. But what I would really say is what you want to be doing with your exercise is finding an exercise that you really enjoy and building up. And it doesn't matter what that exercise is. So for me, I'm all about swimming and I totally love swimming. And now I swim in the summer, I swim, I do two or three kilometers a day in the sea and I cycle, but it's not because I'm an exercise junkie, although perhaps I am, but it's really <laughs> because I love it. And I think that's really the secret. It's about finding something that you enjoy and doing it because actually you feel better after you've 
done movement and your body does feel better. Now, if you are first starting out, your body might not feel better all the time. It might feel a little bit like, what on earth are you doing to me? But once you get past that, actually going for a walk, just something simple like going for a walk is going to make you feel better. So it's really think about where you are and carry on increasing a little bit. And real quick, before you go on to mindset, yeah. would exercises like yoga or something like that, is that perfectly acceptable? Or is there something more cardiovascular, like walking or swimming that you would recommend? Well, that is an interesting question. And there's different things that you want to be thinking about. So you want to be thinking about your bones. As we all sadly get older, we want to be stressing our bones. So there are what they call resistance training. So things like running and stamping. You do want to do something cardiovascular. So getting out of breath. So anything really that, you know, what cardiovascular is, running, swimming, that kind of thing. Yes, ma'am. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, but I think also there is a place for things like yoga. Like if yoga is your only exercise, then you need to be doing quite a lot of yoga. One thing I would say is that Tai Chi is one of those things that is quite good that covers not only helps you with balance and muscle, but it also helps you with getting your heart rate up as well. And there have been studies about Tai Chi, I think, that show that it's one of those sort of like strange things that you think you're doing nothing. You see people and you think they're not really doing anything, but actually they're doing quite a lot. So <laughs> well- I would say whatever you enjoy, start with that. Well, I listened to an interview recently with a gentleman named Dorian Yates, and I don't know if you know who that is. He was the Mr. Olympia for seven or eight years in a row, and he's from the UK, and he was obviously a massive human being, (laughs) massive. And now he has lost a lot of weight. He lives in Spain and he talks about doing yoga for working out now instead of lifting weights. And he's like, I think it's just as good as an exercise as he felt when he was Mr. Olympia. So I I thought that was really interesting. Like, can we start? Yeah. So, but the thing about yoga is you are essentially doing weights. It's a similar, you're using your body as weights. So it is like weights rather than a cardiovascular. There are different types of yoga as well. So if you do Ashtanga yoga, you're moving much, much more than the typical, I'm going to hold this pose for however long. But yeah, you are essentially using your body as a weight. Okay. And then last, a couple quick foundation things to keep in mind about mindset. Okay, so I think the interesting thing about mindset is understanding how our thoughts work. And if you read any self-help book, they will teach you this. Actually, the people who first came up with it were the Buddhist people. Now, I can't give you a theology lesson, I'm afraid. I don't know very much about Buddhism other than this, which is that our thoughts create our emotions, which create our actions. And I always think of this as a spiral and you can either spiral up or you can spiral down what I call spiraling down the negative plug hole. So take an example of, you know, you're not feeling great. Perhaps you've had a bad day with your kids and you have this thought, I am a hopeless mother. I just can't do this. And so what do you do? You reach into the fridge and eat something. You have this emotion first. So the thought leads to this emotion of, you know, frustration and doom and gloom. And then your action is to reach into the fridge and eat something, which basically just confirms to yourself your original thought, which was, I'm hopeless, I can't do this. And you carry on spiraling down and down and down. An alternative way is to spiral up and up and up. And this is the same thing that we do with habits. When we start creating 
one healthy habit and then we nail that and we build on it. But it's the same kind of spiraling upwards. And this might look like, okay, I'm having a bad day, but I'm trying my best. I'm enough. I can do this. I have done some great things today. And so instead of feeling totally disastrous, you feel, you know, a glimmer of hope, let's say. And instead of going and reaching for the fridge, you might go for a 10 minute walk. And that as well has an, you know, that you start releasing endorphins. Well, perhaps not on a walk, but if you're walking enough, you're going to do that. And then your thought is again going to be, okay, I can do this. And you gradually increase up and up. And you can really access that spiral on any of the three levels. So thoughts, emotions, and actions. So you can change the way you think about things. You can't pretend to yourself that you're something you're not. You have to actually believe that thought. But instead of thinking it's all doom and gloom, you can think of some of the good things that you've done and some of the positive things. There's always something positive to think about. You can also change your emotions, which sounds kind of amazing when you think about it. But really and truly, where do emotions come from? They come from inside us. And you can change emotions. Think about putting on music. You put on music, you put on sad music, you're crying your eyes out, you put on happy music, and you're jumping all over the place. So you can change your emotions. And you can change your emotions through meditation as well by sitting and thinking about certain emotions. So thinking about happy times is going to help you create that emotion. And that is also a a thought that you're thinking, but it's about generating that emotion. And of course, you can change your actions. The thing about changing your actions is you can't do it on a long term. So think about somebody who wants to change their lifestyle habits. And they're like, I'm going to do this by changing my actions. What you're actually doing is relying on discipline and that I'm going to grit my teeth and get myself through it. So you can do it for a little bit, but it's not going to get, you know, get you there in two years time. So these are all tools that we can use that we layer on top of each other and make that general spiral up into feeling amazing until all of that becomes habit and you just do it without thinking. Huh. And so your four pillars and kind of what we talked about there, that's a lot of what you cover on your podcast then, correct? So on my podcast, I think in my first season, I had lots of doctors who came on and talked about, for example, how to lead a healthy life to avoid heart disease, to avoid cancer, to to do all of these things. And it all came back to those four pillars. They all basically said the same thing. And in the second year, I've really focused more on how do we do this? How do we change our habits? And thinking about how we think about things and having stories of people who have made amazing changes. Some of them my clients and some of them friends, just you know, people who are there to inspire us to say, you know what, you can change the way that you live. Yeah, like when I was asking earlier about keeping your house clean in order to do it. And I saw one on a, I think it's like a type of acupressure, EFT. Yeah, that's a really interesting thing. And it's called emotional freedom technique. And I think as a doctor, I don't go too much into woo. And some of the, (laughs) well, some of them do have some research behind them. Now, I don't know how good the research is, I have to confess. But some of these things, you know, it's a sort of relaxation technique. What they do is they bring forward some emotions. So, you know, you might have a block of thinking, you know, I'm not a good mum. And then if you bring that out and then do they do these acupressure points and tap on it, then it's supposed to release that emotion. And so you can think about it in a different way. Hmm. And I kind of think, okay, I'm not sure about the evidence, but if that helps you relax, stress and relaxation are a big part of health. And, you know, we all live in times where our stress levels are too high, which is not great, particularly if you want to lose weight. 
But for any of us, it's not healthy to have our stress levels high. So if you can find something that will help you relax, you know, I think that's part of those four pillars personally. Yeah, I was going to say is even if there isn't a ton of evidence, if it's making the person feel better, then it's making the person feel better. Exactly. And it's not doing harm. Like I think as a doctor, we had to take an oath, I think, which was something like first do no harm. So it's not like I remember in the town that I trained, it was built on tobacco. And so the doctors in the past, they used to prescribe cigarettes, which is clearly not a great yeah, that's thing to do. It's not the same thing. But, you know, this is something where it's just tapping. It's just thinking about reducing your stress, spending a bit of mindful time with yourself. I think it's fabulous. Ben? Yes, sir. Unless there is something else, Orlina, that you want to cover, I think it's about time for us to get into wrapping up this episode and going into five questions. I don't have anything else. Dr. Orlando, do you have anything else you want to add? No, I don't have anything. Yeah, we we ran the gamut. We tapped her out. There's nothing (laughs) left. We covered everything. (laughs) All right. Well, let's jump into our final segment then, Tom. It is five questions. Join us on a journey into the inner psyche of our guest as we ask five, 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 five questions. As all of our listeners know, we ask the exact same five questions to all of our guests, and it just lets us know a little bit more about the inner psyche of our guests. Dr. Orlina, are you ready? I am ready. I'm a little bit nervous now. <laughs> oh, you should. It's, it's fun. It's like uh, watching a game show. It's going to be fun. Fabulous. All right. But everybody is nervous, Ben. Maybe we <laughs> everyone gets nervous before this. I don't know why. Maybe because we know what the five questions are. Maybe that's why. I was thinking that. I was thinking I should have listened to your podcast to find out what the five questions were. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. It's it's good. It's fun. When I think when I start talking about like inner psyche, some people are like, oh, wait, is he like, you know. I need you to lay down about- on a couch for this part, <laughs> Doc. <laughs> you know, that time I was bucked off a horse when I was three or something. I don't know. No, nothing like that, though. This is fun. So, Dr. Orlena, question one. What is your favorite medical word? Ooh, that is a good question. I think borborygmy. Ooh, yeah, that is always a fun word to say. (laughs) I tell you, there is a story behind that as well. When I was a senior house officer working in pediatrics, I have a younger sister. She's 12 years younger, and she had borborygmy. And my mother, who is not always into conventional medicine, took her off to, I think some alternative medicine person who said, oh, you've awesome. got borborygmy. You have to cut out all fruit. And as a doctor, I was thinking, what? That's crazy. But I have to confess, I didn't know what the word borborygmy meant. I was like, well, I've never heard of this illness until I looked it up. And it just means that growling in your stomach. And I was like, oh, that is a really cool word. I like that word. <laughs> that is, it's, it's also a good word because nobody, you don't hear it outside of medicine and heck i'll be honest even in medicine i don't i usually go your stomach's making noise like i don't there's not really a a lot of times i use it but i do like those words where you're like what's the name for and you're like borborygmy and they're like wow i didn't realize that rumbling in your tummy had an actual name so that's always a fun fun one to say it is. And the other interesting fact about it is that a lot of people think that if you have it, it means that you're hungry, which I thought of for a long time too. But actually, it's your inside cleaning itself, which obviously correlates to when you're hungry, because if you haven't eaten for a while, it has the chance to clean itself. Whereas if you're constantly eating, it can't clean itself. But that's another interesting fact that I only recently learned as well. 
I didn't think that it was connected specifically to hunger, but I didn't know it was because it was cleaning itself. So see, Ben, learning, always <laughs> learning. All right, Dr. Arlena, question number two. If you could do any job in the world other than what you currently do, what would it be? Oh, another interesting question. I think I would probably go back to clinical medicine. I loved clinical medicine. I really did. I didn't enjoy the weekends and the nights quite so much. And having four small kids, that's a little tricky to to juggle. But what I really wished I'd done and never did was to go and work for something like Medicine Front, Sans Frontier or, you know, in a third world developing country where they have not so much equipment as we have in the developed world. I would have loved to have done something like that. And perhaps when my kids have left home, I might go back to it. Who knows? So like a Doctors Without Borders? Yes, yes, exactly. If you could do any job in the world, would you still be pediatrics or would you go a different route? Another interesting question. You mean if I had my life all over again, yes. it might be something yes. different. If I was Let's to say do you're it- 18. You can do whatever you want. What do you want to do? That's too much to think about. My brain is about to explode. (laughs) See, this is how we get inside people's heads. So that is too much. Yeah. Well, all kinds of things. Perhaps I would have done the going out to India or Africa or wherever it was earlier. I just never seemed to fit it in. I didn't have enough time to do all those things, but I did really enjoy everything I was doing. So, but yeah, if I were to do it now, I think I would carry on with pediatrics because I don't feel I can do anything else. Fair enough. All right. Question three. Think back to your first car. Was it a stylish ride or a rolling turd? It was neither. It was super cool. (laughs) (laughs) It was a super cool. I had a little red Golf. Do you have Golfs in the States? I don't know. Golf. Are you talking about Volkswagen? Yeah. 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 It, It was a little red Secondhand golf, and it wasn't a stylish ride, but it was cool. It was a student cool thing. I, I'm good with that answer. I mean, I, I <laughs> well, so I w- lived in Germany for a couple years, and there's a wider variety of vehicles and vehicle companies. Like in America, there's you know Honda, Nissan, Ford, Chevy. Like there's a couple things, but like that's really like I remember when we lived in Germany. We had an Opel, and people outside of Europe are like, what's an Opal? I'm like, exactly. See Ben's face right there. So I was really like, oh God, what is she going to say? And then she said a Golf. I was like, that's a Volkswagen. We got Volkswagens here. So the Volkswagen are from Germany, though. Yes, <laughs> but the- Opals, Opals are actually from Spain, and here in Spain they're called Mazdas and not Opals. We have a Mazda, but yeah, it's not called Opal. I don't know yep. why it's different. Yeah, we had an Opal Ascona is what we had. So I, I really like that little car. It was bright orange, too. I was like, good Lord, Dad. Why did you pick? <laughs> it was safety conscious, at least, I guess. So with the Volkswagen, did you always feel safe? Did you ever hot rod it? like, Or was it like, oh, this is my car just to get A to B? Oh, no, I definitely felt safe in it. I do remember one time doing a night shift and... It had been parked in the hospital car park and somebody obviously broke into it and they must have taken it for a joyride and, oh, they did horrible <laughs> things to it. What meanies. But, yeah, no, I felt safe in it. And, yeah, it was, a, it was a lovely car. Sadly, it had to be recycled. But, yeah, it was good for a student. Good for a student. There you go. All right. Question four. If your house is on fire, everyone, including your pets, are safe. Other than pictures, what's the one thing you want to get out of your house? 
Oh my goodness. I have to say, my children are definitely safe, aren't they? Definitely safe. Yes. Yes. Well, you know what? It would probably be something that my children would need, like their teddies or something ridiculous like that. I can't think of anything myself that I would be like, oh my goodness, I have to go back for that. Like we live in a day of electronics. All my computer stuff is backed up. So, you know, I like my computer, but it wouldn't be like, oh my goodness, I'd never be able to find any of it. That's not a very interesting answer, is it? I'm sorry. No, that's... It is, is, yeah. The first thing is, especially with four kids, we would assume pictures would be involved because everybody says pictures. So we had to actually say no pictures. If you had to grab something else, what would it be? are on electronic now. All my pictures are online. Well, that's what we said, but people are still very attached to pictures. But the thing is, is your first thought was about your children. And being a pediatrician, I'm like, man, this... She is very focused on children's safety. <laughs> so I am. I am very focused on children's safety. And I do think I think about the world in a different way than other people. I think having worked in pediatric A&E and you can see so many people come in with accidents and you just think, you know, with a little bit of forethought, you could have avoided that accident, couldn't you? <laughs> and that's how I see the world. <laughs> I don't blame her. I went to a conference one time and it was a pediatric trauma surgeon did like a talk and he showed a picture of a baby whose face went through a window. And I'm telling you right now, my son was in that just crawling, just starting to learn how to walk stage. And we had a very large glass cabinet and I immediately started putting gates around it. And I was like, no, you cannot go anywhere near where there are glass objects now. And so I understand what you mean about the forethought, but I, I also think sometimes I don't see the obvious. Like I, I don't think about what it's like to be three foot tall. So sometimes there's probably safer things I could do around my house. Yeah. Question five, and I'm not sure how this is going to work, Tom, because we're not used to having international guests. So okay, for your money, we do you use the Euro, Dr. Orlina? Yeah. Okay. So I, I went on and I converted this, Tom, that we... Okay. Uh, we oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Very thorough, so, Ben. Thank you. So, Dr. Lynn, normally the question for question five is, you have $9.18 in your pocket. You're at a convenience store. What all do you buy? So I converted that. So it would be you have uh, just over seven and a half euros in your pocket. So what what all would you buy if you went to like a gas station or, or a convenience store? So just tell me what a convenience store is. So, hmm. so is it like, like a shop that's set, like a, a supermarket that's open like late at night? Yeah, or we have convenience stores that are usually attached to gas station. Uh, so when you go fill up your car with gas, when you walk in to pay, you want to grab a pop or something like that little section of the store. Like a candy bar or like. Yeah, no, not a candy bar. Do you know what? Can I go somewhere? Of course else? not, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was saying that's what that's what you could like at a convenience store here. That's what you would. Buy. Yeah. Can I say I don't want to go to the convenience store. I want to go to my vegetable market, my fruit and vegetable market. Okay. We have fruit and vegetable market here on Sunday. Well, every day, but a special one on Sunday, and it's amazing. For seven euros, he said seven euros. I could get like well seven kilos of fruit. You know, if I <laughs> seven kilos of fruit. Yeah. <laughs> Vegetables, you know, I could. That's a lot of vegetables. Feed my kids for a day on seven euros, I reckon. Yeah, I'm impressed. So, what are your what are your go to vegetables when you go to the market? Then, well, essentially, whatever is in season. So, I'm super lucky because in Spain, everything grows 
amazingly. And yeah, we have amazing vegetables. So I buy what's in season, partly because it tastes better, but also partly I love a bargain. So I, because I go to the same market all the time, I know where to go and find, you know, the seconds, the ones that are slightly spoiled. So in that we've just finished peach season, I was buying peaches for 40 cents a kilo. They're slightly damaged, but if you chop off a little bit, they're perfectly fine. We freeze them. My kids make smoothies out of them. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. So Mediterranean vegetables and fruits all the way, tasty and just so easy as well. Do you have a personal favorite for you? Like you're like, if I had to pick a fruit or a vegetable, like pick one of each, what is your favorite fruit? What is your favorite vegetable? Oh, all of them. Right now, peaches. I love peaches, but they have to be good peaches. They can't be bad quality peaches. I think all the vegetables too. Um, I'm going to pick one. Am I going to pick asparagus? I'm going to pick asparagus. Ooh, that's here, a good one. Yes. Yeah, and in the spring here, we have this thing called wild asparagus and it grows in the woods. It's much, much thinner than the French style, but we just go around picking it. And I just love going around picking it. We do have some wild asparagus here too. Yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah, it's- yeah. I'm in the fight to get my son to eat, try asparagus. And for some reason, and I don't know why this is the hill I've picked to die on, <laughs> green beans. That kid won't, like, I have threatened him with violence and he will not try a green bean. So. Yeah, don't threaten him. What's his favorite food? What's his favorite, like? Oh, chips or pizza. There you go. You you said it earlier, Doc. I was shaking my head just listening to uh, you talk. I was yeah. like, wow, she's been to my house. So I do, I do think part of it is you need to not always give them the chips and pizza as in don't have it every single day because that yeah. really comes like if you give kids those strong flavors with salt and sugar in them, when you try and get them to eat vegetables, they're like, nah, no thanks. But what you can do is pair it. So you take a flavor that they like, so say cheese because it's on pizza and then put it on the vegetables and they suddenly appear a little bit more enticing. And it's not a magic cure, but if you pair things together something that's familiar that they know they like and put it with something else. That's a good tip to get them to start trying them. I like that. Well, thank you again, doc. I will try it. But the last time I was like, well, you're going to eat or I just won't give you pizza or chips. And he was like, okay. And then he just didn't eat for a while. I'm like, you jerk. So (laughs) (laughs) you mustn't tell him that you mustn't tell him that don't, don't threaten him. Like, but he can have a, like, so I think Friday night pizza, fabulous. Have a little bit of pizza, but a small amount of pizza and vegetables. Start with the vegetables they like. You just have to keep going and keep going. And the other thing I always tell people is when you try something new, just get this expectation. Your kid is not going to like it. And once you've got that, you just know that I'm going to like it. You're going to eat it. Fabulous. There's no drama. But just keep presenting it. I'm going to keep It'll working right. on it, Doc. Yeah, no, she's. <laughs> Uh, it is a uh, it is a fight. I'll tell you that. No, no, don't fight. Don't fight. <laughs> no fights, Tom. No fights. And I, I want to tell you, Dr. Arlena, I loved, I'm going I'm to use this phrase from now on because it was great. The sugar-seeking missiles. I love yes, that. Yes, sugar-seeking missiles was a good term. I like yeah. it a lot. Yeah, and here's my other favorite quote. The best thing you can give your kids is your own happiness. And I do believe this. And the second best thing you can give them is vegetables. There you well, go. I'm I'm working on giving him happiness and vegetables, but the vegetables are a lot tougher to come by right now. They'll get there. They'll get there. Oh, all right. Let's do one more show. So, so I can't even talk now. I'm laughing. All right. Let's do one more social media shout out. So if you like our show, 
Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Just Some Podcast websites, www.justsomepodcast.com. Emails admin at justsomepodcast.com. Dr. Orlando, do you want to tell them about your podcast one more time, please? My podcast is Fit and Fabulous at 40 and Beyond, and it's healthy living for families made easy. And we, like I said, we will make sure that that is in our show notes as well. Go check it out. Uh, I'm looking forward to listening to some more episodes, and I know Tom is too, so it's a great show. Anyway, Tom, on that note, it's 2 in the afternoon here where I'm at. It's 3 where you're at. So, Dr. Orlando, it's got to be getting close to, what is it? What's 7? No, it's 20 past 9 here. It's nearly my bedtime. Whoa! (laughs) I didn't realize we kept you up that late. I really thought it was a five-hour difference. My bad. Well, we better let Dr. Lana get to bed. Thank you very much, very, very, very much for joining us. Thank you again, Doc. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And those notes, hey, everybody, hope you have a great week. Hey, everybody, stay safe out there. Eat your vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) And Dr. Lana, thank you.